0: Things, early career recruitment, the strategies to help you succeed. We'll help you work with Generation Z with all the information that
1: you'll need. It's the Jack and Ollie Show. Change will be good. Anyway, let's do it. <coughs> <laughs> okay. And we're going in three, two, one. Hello, and
0: welcome to the Jack and Ollie Show. And today we have hit the road and we are here at the House of Lords. So Ollie's going to tell us a little bit about why we're here at the House of Lords. Indeed. So
2: we are on the road with Lord Holmes of Richmond uh, regarding his private member's bill to end the injustice of unpaid internships. Welcome. Uh, Hi. Yeah. So before we get into the topic, let's, I guess, introduce the listeners to uh, Lord Chris Holmes. We're going to call you Chris. Is that, is that right? Please, please do. <laughs> So, for the listeners, Chris is Britain's most successful Paralympic swimmer. Across four Paralympic Games from 1988 to 2000, he uh, won a total of nine golds, five silvers, and one bronze. Wow. I,
1: that's
0: going to wear you down. I don't want to be swimming with those on, do
1: you? <laughs> I probably should apologise to the listeners as well. I'm, I'm sorry about the one bronze. Sorry.
2: <laughs> <laughs> You've got it the right way around. I mean, nine golds and one bronze is... Is the right way around, I think, yeah.
1: It's probably the way you'd want to do it. And unfortunately, when I retired and it was all too late, I discovered all too late that the silver medals were actually worth more than the gold medals. So <laughs> what can you do? So lane four then, four up from the bottom. Chris Holmes with a great start. Holmes has got this under control.
2: Holmes is going to win his sixth gold medal, and he does. The story of these Paralympic swimming events is all about Chris Holmes, who wins six gold medals, absolutely outstanding. That really is world-class swimming. (laughs) So during this time, you actually received an MBE from the Queen. Uh, And since then, after retiring from swimming, you've worked as a journalist, a solicitor, um, and you also helped organise the 2012 Paralympic Games in London.
1: Yeah, very, uh, very lucky. It was a great uh, great 10 years of my life.
2: Yeah. What was it like to, uh, I guess, put on such an amazing event? Because it really galvanised London and, I guess, England, the UK. It,
1: it showed what we can do as a nation when we collaborate, when we connect, when we come together. It truly was the best of us as a nation. And what a feeling. Take yourself back to that golden summer of 2012. How do we all feel as individuals as cities as communities as mm. a country that's that's what that's the possibility when we come together and collaborate and do positive stuff together Yeah,
0: it was really cool though. I went along to the uh, to the Paralympics at the Queen Elizabeth Park yeah oh, it was just really cool yeah just to you know be everyone be there together support your country
1: brilliant which, which sports did you go to uh,
0: it was the track day so I saw um Oscar Pristorius, Preistorius he's slightly more controversial now yeah. that I saw him in the in the 400 metres there. so
1: yeah. great, great day to be there. Yeah, it was a really good day, yeah. <laughs> they were all great days, though. Yeah,
2: of <laughs> <laughs> um, So since the Paralympic Games, um, you were elevated to the House of Lords in 2013 uh, as a Conservative Party peer. Um, so you've been a, a member of select committees on artificial intelligence, digital skills, social mobility and financial exclusion, and also co-chaired all-party parliamentary groups on assistive technology, fintech, blockchain, and the fourth industrial revolution. What back catalogue that is. Uh, and through your recent private members bill, you're working to end the injustice of unpaid internships, which is mainly the topic for today. So tell us a bit more about this private members bill.
1: Yeah, and thanks for uh, that roll call. I think <laughs> uh, what I've tried to do since being in Parliament and indeed when we were doing London 2012, as that list shows, is really try and connect talent and technology, inclusion and innovation, and really empower and enable and unleash all that talent that is out there. And hence why I got involved with putting together this private member's bill Mm -hmm. on unpaid internships, because how can it be in 21st century Britain that there are still not a few not hundreds, but tens of thousands of people at one of the most difficult times in their career at the beginning being asked to give of themselves, to give their labour for no return. If you just laid that out to somebody, it just sounds like something from prehistory, mm. never mind from the 21st century.
2: Yeah, so, so, so why do you think that's been happening? What?
1: I think there's an assumption that if you don't come across a particular area, whatever that area is, that you assume, maybe you do, maybe you don't, that things are in a different position than what they are. I was aware of unpaid internships. I was, I guess, surprised at the extent, you know, maybe 70,000, but probably higher number than that currently in the UK. This sense that people believe there's a rite of passage as part of it Mm -hmm. people believe that it's legitimate that it's justified that if people want those kind of in quotes top jobs capital t capital j (laughs) that you have to give your labor for zero return i don't think that that should have ever been acceptable in any society but certainly not in the 21st century. It seemed yeah. pretty clear that as a, a basic right, and it's a pretty simple concept, you do a good day's work, you get a fair day's pay in return. Yeah.
0: Mm. So when we look at, say, like the, um, the National Minimum Wage Act, so I think there's a couple of things there on that topic. So it should be that actually they should be covered by that. But then another problem with that, I mean, it doesn't seem to be happening, so that it's not being enforced. And the second thing is I think huge numbers of young people are not aware that there's even any legislation currently that uh, means that they are currently illegal.
1: And, And this is the key point. It's Under the national minimum wage legislation, it's absolutely clear, uncontestable, if you do work, you're a worker, and you're entitled to receive remuneration for that work, yeah. All seems perfectly clear on that except as you say who's aware of that. Mm. If you're in a situation where you're exploited in an unpaid intern situation all of the onus is on you to take a case against that employer. I mean in some ways quite hilarious really to even call them an employer really. <laughs> yeah. on on the basis of other terms could be more uh, apposite perhaps but what are the chances you're in a vulnerable position Mm -hmm. you believe you have no choice you want to get on in life what's the chances that you're going to have the means or the will or the possibility or the support to take a case hence i believe that in no sense contradicting what's currently laid down in national minimum wage legislation it was important to put a bill down which sets out absolutely clearly an approach to set out a prohibition on all unpaid work exceeding four weeks. Now, the reason for four weeks to be in there, my start Mm -hmm. point was obviously to have zero weeks in in the bill. And the the good news is, in no sense does that four weeks cut across what's set out in national minimum wage legislation. So if on day one... Someone does a day of work and it's clear that it is work. Absolutely, they're entitled to pay. What I wanted to set up by having the four weeks was that I'm completely in favour and a big supporter of legitimate work experience. I think Mm. that's incredibly important, incredibly powerful experience for many people to do. As I say, I ummed and aahed and consulted about what that length should be one week two weeks four weeks longer shorter the reason why we ended up going with four weeks was there was a general consensus around four weeks across business across industry across the sectors that that would be seen as a legitimate period of work experience it would still have to absolutely be work experience it couldn't Mm -hmm. be work but any day after that even if that was tried to be held up that it was still work experience, would be paid from that point. So it's right. it's not in any sense seeking to contradict or change at all what's set out clearly in national minimum wage legislation, but it's giving that added clarity of, yes, work experience is a good thing. If you're doing work on day one, you will be paid. You can't have this extended period, which is either called an, um, an internship or indeed work experience if it goes yeah. beyond the four-week period.
0: Yeah. I think one of the things is sometimes um, maybe with employers or young people, especially employers, I think, they, um, they don't really understand the legislation properly, so they avoid talking about it because they, they don't want to seem like they're doing something wrong. And because there's no conversation, they then steer a very wide berth of it. So say the difference between um, an internship and work experience. You know, So if you're work shadowing somebody, you're just watching what someone does, that's fine, that's acceptable, that's allowed. But if you're in there working, that's a difference. And maybe this distinction is difficult for people to understand. And I think if maybe if people understood that better, perhaps they might talk about it more because people are not talking about this, I think, as a topic.
2: Yeah. And by people, you mean uh, the, the students that are doing these internships or do you mean the HR I think, professionals? I think both.
0: That, I think so. Yeah. I think and it's more important from the employers themselves because they're not really sure what's legal and what's not legal, so they therefore don't want to avoid it. They don't want to implicate that their employer, who they're representing and working for, might be doing something illegal. Yeah. And and then I just think young people just don't... They're just not even, they're not even aware of the fact that... It, the, the distinction doesn't matter, because they don't think it, it even matters that you should get paid to do any sort of mm. internship or work experience.
2: I guess because they're so keen to do it, aren't they? And if you're a young person, you're coming out of university, there are so many students coming out of university these days. I think... About 50 years ago, there was about 200,000 students at university. Uh, and a couple of years ago, it was 2.4 million students at university in yeah, the UK. Right. So that is a huge increase. So if you think about all the students coming out of university, a degree now is, is, isn't good enough anymore. You need to have valuable work experience. And when it becomes so important, you then have to have this work experience, which makes you a bit more desperate probably yeah. to then accept what you can which is why companies can i guess get get away with it
1: yeah i think your point is completely well made it's about opening up the conversation and having people employers parents universities schools everybody mm. talking about this in the same way with any subject there's always going to be problems if there isn't the debate if there isn't the discourse if there isn't the conversation About it. So, there's a key role for universities and higher education to play in talking to students well before you get to your final term Mm. about the pressure that you will feel potentially to take one of these unpaid internships and all of the reasons why you shouldn't feel that pressure and you shouldn't accept one of these unpaid internships. There's a job across employers for it to become as socially and morally unacceptable as yeah. so many of the other work practices which thank god have been condemned to the dustbin of history there's a conversation amongst parents it, there's a role for all of us to play in that conversation to really put the spotlight on what's going on here and the truth of it being the exploitation of young people as you rightly said who feel unbelievable pressure or in a vulnerable situation feel They've committed to university. Mm. They've committed to a whole slab of debt. If you have to get this valuable work experience, it feels you have no choice, but you do have a choice. And if everybody binds together and has this right attitudinal approach and it becomes morally and socially unacceptable to take unpaid internships as well as to offer them, we can really start to kill them off. And hence, as important as putting down the private members' bill and getting it through all the stages in the Lords, mm-hmm. as important was all of the media work, all of the campaigning work that we did around it to try and really massively increase the profile of what's happening right now in this country. Yeah,
2: Because I guess if you look at the, the impacts of, of doing... Um, well. The impacts that to, to, to young people, the, co- the cost, if you're not going to get paid for doing it, I think the Sutton Trust have done some research that says uh, it costs about £920 a month to, for a, a student or anyone to live in London and about £800 in Manchester. So you've oh, yeah. got to swallow that cost yourself yeah. or your parents swallow that cost, yeah. which then comes onto to the social uh, mobility co- concern that mm-hmm. it's only those that can afford to pay for these experiences. That can therefore do them, um, which obviously discriminates against students from lower socioeconomic backgrounds. Um, which obviously we don't want to do as well. And I think there was also research done that those students that had done an unpaid role earn, on average, a lot less. Really. Uh, further on in their career, because of the expectations they've had. Yeah. Um. Hmm. Which is. Yeah. yeah. Right. Again, that's awful. It's just bad. sounds that way, isn't it? But that's that's the case.
1: Uh, there's Ultimately, there's a really simple, elemental truth at the heart of all of this. And that is all about talent. As I said, I'm interested in talent in all of its rich, diverse, bright and beautiful forms. Even if, as an employer, you don't tie into any of the social, legal, moral arguments for not offering unpaid internships Mm -hmm. just go on the talent argument why Mm. would you want to be drawing from such a small talent pool as you say who can afford to slam down a grand a month and be getting nothing in return how does that limit your talent pool surely you want to get the brightest and the best possible candidates to come through your organization to be part of it it makes sense from a talent organization and even for the people who are fortunate enough to have independent or family means to do it it's still so rough for them yeah because what about all the sense of self-esteem and self-worth you want to feel that you've done A good day's work now pay isn't the totality of that of course it isn't but it's absolutely a key part of it yeah so
0: um how do you why do you think that employers are getting away with it why aren't HMRC securing prosecutions against businesses to stop it happening
1: HMRC have got a key role to play here they've increased the amounts of funds available to promote what's going on here and to take potential prosecutions. The question is, how many prosecutions have been successfully taken? That's obviously a closed question. (laughs) And uh, to help listeners, it's a number which is slightly less than one. (laughs) There's a key role for HMRC to play because it's not as if much of this is hidden away. Often, these unpaid internships are advertised right in the open Mm. so it's not that difficult a task to go after those who are advertising them and in no sense do i suggest that you need to start off with the heavy guns on this but absolutely to start off with a letter stating the situation clearly laying out how it is there was a good piece of what hmrc did writing to a number of employers Mm. last year but all this needs to be systematic it needs to be followed up and there's a key role for hmrc to play because again as soon as you start to see that action as soon as you would see a prosecution Mm. not just for the financial impact on that organization but the reputational impact yeah for all, all for all your current employees for all your potential employees the brand damage as you say
2: yeah because it will go straight out in the news. And it's, these, these are picked up by, you, know, you know, see it on the BBC quite a lot. And like I said, the, the bill's been put out on quite a few um, big media platforms. Yeah. So I think companies are going to get flagged and, um, uh, I guess, showcased. And
0: they're going to lose out in that competition for talent, right? Yeah. You're ultimately competing for the best talent. And you have, as a consumer or person who'd like to go and work for an you have a choice of who you might like to go. Yeah. and work for
1: it should be called out it should be pretty clear X company currently supports the practice of slave labour mm-hmm. current employees are you happy to work here potential employees would you want to work here so
0: why do you think in the last 25 years more hasn't been done why hasn't it changed why hasn't there been more momentum Why why is it still the case
1: Largely due to attitudes, I think it's still... Mm. It's in a better place than it was 20 years ago. But mm. there's still a bit of a sense that it's legitimate, that it's part and parcel of the transition yeah. period, through education, into work. It's something you should do. Hard work never at no one. Yeah. <laughs> or, and that's or, all
2: because they've done it themselves, isn't mm, it? Because I, I, I got there. <coughs> by, I got this role because I did an unpaid role and you should follow the same thing I did. And
1: Yeah, I think it, it's, there's still... A huge amount of work, which needs to shift those attitudes across the piece. That isn't just the attitudes of those offering. And again, yeah. I use that word in heavy quotes. Mm-hmm. But it's the attitudes across society. Because if you if it was just to do with the employers offering, but everybody else was sound on this, well, nobody would take the roles, and it would sooner wither on the vine anyway. But it's a huge piece of attitudinal change. So a role for HMRC, a role for the government across Whitehall, a role for universities and all providers of higher education. And indeed, as people start to get to the end of their school career, this should be part of the conversation, particularly by deploying social media here. You can get these messages out pretty quickly, pretty clearly. And it is a very, very simple message. Mm. Are we cool that we currently have slave labour in this country? And people might go, well, you're being hysterical by calling it slave labour. People aren't uh, forced to do it. Mm-hmm. But it is slave labour in the sense of currently, if you want a particular role, you yeah. have to be prepared to do six, 12, 18, 24 months of free work. Well, that's pretty much slave labour. Yeah. really. <laughs> yeah.
2: Well, I think that's, that's where the problem lies a little bit, because if, if the actual, I guess, legislation at the moment says if you're part of um, a degree, if you're studying as part of a degree course, you can um, you can work for up to a year completely free of charge. Oh, right, yeah,
0: it's one of the exceptions, right, of the national minimum wage.
2: Yeah, so it means that whether it's a student placement, uh, a year-long industrial placement as part of your degree course, technically it's not a problem for them to, mm-hmm. as an employer, to employ them for a year unpaid. Uh,
1: that, <laughs> it, 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 it's It's a real issue... My bill didn't touch on that, not because I don't uh, have an issue with it, but in terms of being able to get through a private member's bill Mm. in the simplest form. I didn't want it to get involved with the issue of students, which we'll come on to in a moment, or indeed getting into the whole volunteer question. There's much that needs to be done there. Absolutely there is. But had I got involved in that, the bill would not have been able to get through as a piece of private members legislation now to your point on the the students thing i think it's a a really key point again that universities and students and the employers who participate really need to think carefully about because as you say often this is a year where the student receives no pay but still continues to pay fees Yeah. During that year. Now, Mm, you know, I don't think we need to say too much more about that at this point, except to say, put those facts together and just think about that for a moment and see what we all what we all think about that going forward. Yeah. Do you
0: have any data, Ollie, on um, how unpaid internships damage the reputation of um, employers at the moment?
2: Um, good question. Yeah, we've done some research in the reviews on Rate My Placement and unpaid roles are rated a lot lower right. than paid uh, paid
0: roles. So less va- they just don't value it as much, I suppose. Yeah,
2: they don't value it as much. And I think the one, uh, the lowest rated question, because um, there's about 15 questions within these reviews, the lowest rated question is how appealing are future employment prospects within the organisation? So obviously looking more long term about their, their employment prospects and that is rated significantly lower.
0: Right. And this, quite. Is, this is ratings of reviews on Rate My Placement.
2: Correct. Yes. And I think that comes down to how companies use these internships. So if it's not appealing to stay longer, mm-hmm. you might be bringing students in on a shorter term project based mm-hmm. um, role maybe for a short time and the the aim is then to maybe extend them if they're any good or you've got enough work now the opposite of that is actually employing these students as part of a longer term talent pipeline methodology where you'd have your internship is an extension to your graduate program right and so therefore you, you invest loads into these interns you have rigorous assessment process you show them a really good time because you want to then keep them And we know that one in two students is usually retained by forward-thinking employers Mm -hmm. upon graduation. So there's a real balance between those employers that are seeing this as a great access to the best talent and those that are using it to maybe just get some extra resource on the cheap because they
0: need a bit of help. you say then to um, any employers who are listening who you know feel really passionate about this and either one of two cases they're in an organisation where it doesn't happen but they're still passionate and they would really like to help out or the other case where they're in an organisation where it's happening but they don't really know what to do they're not sure how to um, approach that internally
1: I think in both cases open up the conversation be clear be open about it and for the second situation if it's an individual who's currently undertaking unpaid internship, if that has to be done anonymously, so be it, because it's right to protect people if they're in a vulnerable situation, but it should be called out. Mm. Absolutely is clear. X organisation currently has unpaid interns, which means this. How do you feel about that employee? How do you feel about that customer? How do you feel about that? HMRC. Mm.
2: To um, to paint the other side of the story, I guess let's try and be pro unpaid internships for a while. Um, let's say you're a university and you're uh, probably a non-muscle group university. Mm-hmm. You're being measured uh, on your destination data. You want your students at your university to do, be brilliant and have successful careers, and you're probably in an industry where it's really hard to find opportunities. Right. So you're That's looking definitely. at your, your fashion, yeah. um, probably the third sector, you're probably looking at like criminology, mm-hmm. you know, all these areas where there, there isn't an obvious, like geography, I did geography as well. Right. There wasn't an obvious next step for me, um, you know, environmental sciences, but there was there's a lot of geography students out there and not a lot of <laughs> geography roles to go into. So if you, you come from that background, I know from speaking to them, they just want to get their students any form of experience and they would argue that an unpaid role is better than doing no role at all.
0: Yeah, that kind of makes sense, right?
1: If, if you ignore the impact on the individual, mm. if you ignore the impact on society, if you believe that that is how we want to structure what we do, so much of the qualitative research research that we collected when I was doing all the research and preparation yeah. for the bill was just so desperately upsetting but completely understanding. People will say, I I don't like talking about that time of my life. I'm ashamed of it, shameful. I, I felt less human. All of these really... So many of the qualitative mm. comments that were received went to the heart of what it is to be human and that sense of esteem, that sense of self worth. I don't think that one day of work, if it is work and it goes unpaid, that's not worth anything if we want to believe that we can call ourselves a civilized, progressive society.
0: Mm there's a lot of fear as well we've had um, a bunch of interns all, all paid and um but sometimes you talk to them or young employees by like entry level into our into the business and we ask them i'm always keen oh have you ever done an unpaid internship and they say yep i've done one oh, okay i said you know you can claim your money back for that you know that that's illegal they can't do that oh no and they always say they not sure and then i always ask them because i always think it'd be a really cool case study for our website yeah. to help someone through the process or we could say hey this is the person who did it Every time I've asked someone, you know, obviously not going to force anyone to do it, but nobody's up for doing it because they're worried about burning bridges and what that might mean. They don't know if they might need to go back to that person in the future, and that's a real shame because
2: mm, the reference element. Like, we, yeah, yeah,
0: exactly. See, they sort of know they're being ripped off, yeah. but then can't do anything about it, or don't feel they can do much about it. Well,
1: where, where does the power lie if you're the person who's currently doing an unpaid internship or has done an unpaid internship? where does the power lie that's why we have legislation that's why we have protection that's why we have national minimum wage legislation because where you have a potential abuse of power that's absolutely where the state should step in to protect to support and to eradicate these absolute products of the past I mean, it's extraordinary it's barely dickensian is it really (laughs) that we have people uh, come and do this and one of the things i heard a lot of from the other side of the fence if you will was people saying well we have unpaid interns but you know they don't really do anything of much value but they sort of have them around the office so on that point again wouldn't it be better for all concerned to rethink how you could best engage those young people, or indeed people of any age, it's not just limited to young people yeah. doing unpaid internships, to rethink the whole thing, to have them doing something which is of value to your organisation, and then pay them for it. And bear in mind all of this, when we're talking about this, all we're talking about in terms of law, we're not talking about them being paid Upper quartile, mm. the average wage. We're talking about people being paid the national minimum wage under the legislation. Don't tell me that companies cannot afford to do that. That companies would go out of business if that individual is doing work. That work has a value. That value should be recognised. Mm.
2: Yeah, yeah, it's a great point. Uh, cause if well, that money that could have been paid to the to the student. That is actively being paid or being kept by the CEO, the board. They're they're actively taking that money away and saying, "Well, we've look how how well we've done."
1: (laughs) Yeah, and and it's it's just you constantly should always take this back to the question of talent because it is as simple as that. We should be about enabling, empowering, discovering, and unleashing all the talent that's out there. We're constantly told about the productivity problem that we have in this Mm. country absolutely we have a productivity issue absolutely we do but we also have such a pool of untapped and indeed all too often with unpaid interns exploited talent Mm. that could just flourish
2: yeah you you spoke a second ago about the tradition you know how how it comes the the thinking comes from uh, people generations before that either found their role through an internship that was unpaid and then works their way up through the process. And I think it's that traditional, quite antiquated thinking that um, either it's what I did or it's all about who you know. And it often comes down to then families or classes that then almost go back to recruit from the same universities because, oh, I've, we've had some good students from that university before. Mm. I went to that university. <laughs> We're going to go back there. You know, that, that, that traditional thinking... has has kept this going for so long i guess
1: completely and if if we're going to make the tremendous success which we have the potential not the inevitability but the potential to make of the fourth industrial revolution of artificial intelligence Mm -hmm. robotics nanotechnology internet of things distributed ledgers and so on if we're going to make the success that potentially we can well we really have to relook how we do so much of this right through education but unpaid internships is absolutely something which needs to be rid from our society if we're going to make a Mm -hmm. success of this because potentially we can transform work we can transform the relationship between citizen and state have massive efficiencies coming through that But Mm -hmm. huge growth coming from the enablement of that talent and that technology. It's a stunning, stunning opportunity, the like of which we've never had in our lifetime. It'll make the first industrial revolution look like a kid's tea party by comparator. (laughs) And that took 100 years plus to take force. This is such a time to be alive, but it's such a time to absolutely put an end to people being forced, give of their labour for no remuneration yeah.
2: So I think you're receiving quite a lot of backing from different organisations and different employers uh, which which employers and organisations are getting involved and in supporting this?
1: As it was when we were preparing to deliver the Olympic and Paralympic Games in London in 2012 nothing of any value or quality happens without it being a team effort without massive collaboration I've been incredibly fortunate to receive such support from the social mobility commission Mm. from the sutton trust from colleagues in both houses of parliament from key organizations and indeed many of the big employers who are pretty clear this is not how they see the workplace this is not what they do and hence working with many of them that's how we came up with the four week uh, issue to really resolve the vex question of well, will this just push out all work experience and close down opportunities that come from work experience so really from all that consultation across the piece getting getting that four-week uh, work experience piece in the title of the bill was incredibly important but nothing happens as an individual success is always a, a team endeavor it, it's you know, massive thanks to all the individuals and all the organizations who've helped me and indeed if anybody listening, employer, individual, whoever wants to get in touch, please do get in touch with my office. Happy to hear stories of where things have gone well, questions of where things seem unclear or where you need help. Very happy to absolutely continue that conversation with any any of the listeners because we have the opportunity to crack this. It's been a pernicious problem which has blighted our society for decades. It's within our grip to absolutely eradicate, not in decades, potentially in months, if we get that collaborative effort across the piece. So really keen to hear from anybody and everybody who wants to be part of that collective, connected effort to put an end to unpaid internships and condemn them rightly to that dustbin of history.
0: Great, and we'll put the, the details underneath the podcast for anybody who does want to get in touch how they can do that.
2: Well, that probably brings us to a lovely close. Um, wow, well, that's been really, really interesting. Uh, Lord Holmes, thank you so much Pleasure. for much. your time, your your passion, and your enthusiasm. Um, you've certainly got a lot of support from certainly myself and, and Jack, mm. um, and we're going to do as much as we can to support your bill, and we're going to be very much behind it, uh, eagerly trying to hear how it goes.
0: Yeah, I've been Jack, and I've been Ollie, and that is the Jack and Ollie show on the road. <laughs>
2: nice, good ending, good ending. Nice.
0: <laughs> For all things early career recruitment, the strategies to help you succeed will help you work with Generation Z with all the information that you'll need. It's the Jack
1: and Ollie show.